Maybe you have been accused of having a tood, if you will, before. You know, I find it ironic that people say that their child, who is two, has a tood. And then I've actually heard people describe their grandmothers as having a little bit of a tood. And so it seems as though that we develop a tood all through life. Maybe if that is what is going on in our life, we develop a tood that we would want to develop one that would reflect God and Christ. Don't you think? So we have this problem. We are developing this tood all through our life from the age two and, and, and even newborn all the way to the grave. We are developing this tood. And what would God have us do with this tood? Well, it's not just an attitude that God would have us work with. And in Psalm 116, we see that it's not just an attitude. We will see that there is a couple of tudes going on. There are a couple of tudes that influence this attitude, if you will. There is gratitude, and our gratitude impacts, drives our attitude, and our attitude is impacted and impacts our magnitude of worship. And so you have three things. You have gratitude, which is thanksgiving, thankfulness for what God has done and who He is. And then you have attitude, and attitude reflects how we experience this gratitude, our response, if you will, to the gratitude we have for what God has done for us in Christ. That is the attitude that we develop our response, if you will. And then we have the magnitude by which we praise Him for who He is, what He has done. And all three of those come together to to form us, our person, our tood, if you will, for tonight. And so let's look at the Scripture uh, tonight. We're going to actually look at the entire chapter of Psalm 116, much like Psalm 118. It is a psalm of thanksgiving, but tonight for us, it will serve as a guide toward our tood. We will read this. This is New King James Version, Psalm 116, all 19 verses. I love the Lord because He has heard my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. The pains of death surround me. The pains of Sheol laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. They called upon the, Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O oh Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I will believe, therefore I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render to the Lord? For he has all benefits towards me. I will take my cup of salvation. I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all His people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. 
Oh Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosened my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people in the courts of the Lord, in his house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, help us tonight to hear from you. Lord, help us to understand how grateful we are to be to you. Lord, how that has impacted our lives and developed our attitude, Lord, and the magnitude by which we should praise you as a result of who you are and what you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. As you look at this passage, it is actually divided into two sections, one through nine and nine through the end of the chapter. And this idea of gratitude, attitude, and magnitude are interplayed all throughout it. And so it can be confusing, but I'm going to try to break it down for you pretty simply. In the first few verses, you have all three elements going on, but I'm going to go through gratitude first, then I'll hit attitude than magnitude. I know for some of you that it's kind of hard to hear all of those uh, idiosyncrasies because I keep saying toot a lot, and so I'll try to be really, really pointed on the front end of that, okay? And so we're looking at gratitude first. Gratitude, how grateful we are to be for who God is and what He has done. And if you look at the psalmist as he writes this here, he says, I love the Lord. He starts off with a very simple statement that impacts the rest of the chapter. I love the Lord. And then he tells you why. Because he has heard my voice. He has heard my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me. You say, well, Casey, that's not something that I, I'm, I'm real grateful for. I may take that for granted but I'm, I don't find myself to be real grateful that the Lord listens. I mean, I pray and, and I hope that He hears me. I trust that He hears me because of His Word. And I, I feel as though He hears me. But when we stop and we think about it for just a moment, the psalmist is making a huge deal of this. He's taking up almost two verses because it is something that you and I can be grateful for, that we can have gratitude for, because the God of the universe that in the beginning created heavens in the earth bends his ear to you and to me when you say I stub my toe in the dark and it hurts God help me find my way to the bathroom now we pray for the smallest things because we know that our great God our big God is concerned about what the lilies of the field and the birds of the air the smallest things. That is the God that you and I serve, that we love. And we should have immense gratitude that the God of the universe would stop and bend His ear to our supplications to our small voice. He says that he will call upon the name of the Lord as long as he lives because he is surrounded. In verse 5 through 7, God has been gracious and merciful and returned his soul to rest. And in verse 8, he has delivered his soul from death. 
And so he is grateful because God has kept his... Notice in verse 8, You have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. And because of that, because of what God has done and who he is, you'll keep hearing me say that because that is where this psalm finds its thrust. It is we are grateful, we find uh, our gratitude in who he is and what he has done, and we find our response, our attitude towards God because of who he is and what he has done. And that's where the psalmist is camping this entire psalm. It is always because of who he is and what he has done that we can be grateful and have this gratitude. If we, for a moment, would stop and think of all that God has brought us through in just our circumstances in life, we would have a list that would would be very expansive. And then we would get into maybe the smaller things that we could be grateful for, such as maybe breathing, which is always a plus when you're a human, uh, or, or, or being able to walk, being able to talk, being able to hear. Well, maybe not so much when you're at home, but you know when you're at work and your boss is calling your name, you probably want to be able to hear. But we have all these small things that we are grateful for, and we haven't even got to the things that we can't understand. Those things being salvation, those things being the redemptive love of Christ, those things being God working through the entire universe and all of history and all of humanity for His glory, these macro ideas. We can't begin to thank Him for those things And the psalmist says, what? Because he dried my tears. He kept me from stumbling. Can we be grateful for the small things and the large things that God has done? Because when we take them for granted, we we discount who he is and what he has done. I hope tonight you will hear the importance of gratitude that the believer must have in his and her life. Because when we discount what God has done for us and who he is, it drastically impacts our attitude. Worship becomes stale. Fellowship becomes boring. And this book becomes dusty. Our response Our response to this gratitude that we would have is our attitude. We would develop an attitude. An attitude that is activated by our gratitude. If man cannot save his own soul, does our attitude reflect a gratitude that God is our listener, restorer, and deliverer. The psalmist's response to the love that God has shown is similar to what ours is. Verse 2, this is his response to the love that God has for him. In verse 2 he says, I will call upon his name. In verse 5, call him gracious and righteous. Verse 7, the Lord is good. Verse 9, the psalmist loves and trusts the Lord and will walk in his ways. And in verses 12 through 14, the psalmist will take God's cup of salvation. He will call upon God and he pays his vows to the Lord. He pays them willingly and he pays them openly so that everyone can see how grateful the psalmist is for what God has done. Kind of sounds like coming to church, doesn't it? 
The psalmist's response is one of reliance and one of action. The psalmist's gratitude has impacted his attitude towards God and drives the psalmist to this magnanimous worship. And we'll get there in just a moment. And so you have this attitude that you and I walk around with, with that we come into this building every seventh day with. And if this attitude that we have, that we project towards one another, it it should be a response to what God has done all week. But if He hasn't done anything, or we haven't seen Him do anything all week, then guess what? Our response is pretty minimal. And I think that is why America is getting really bored with church. Now, we're blessed in Ruston that we can come together and exalt the name of the Lord and we have things that we can tell each other that we're grateful for, but those things may not be the things that we are truly grateful for because we haven't talked about those things in a while. Yes, it is great that God heals cancer. It is great that God gives you uh, a second breath. It is, it is great that God gives you children. It's great that God gives you grandchildren. Just ask the Davises. They got a new addition. Uh, it is great that God does these things, but the thing that you and I need to be most grateful for that should greatly impact our attitude when we walk in this building to exalt the name of the Lord is I am a follower of Christ. He saved me. He restored me. I no longer deal with the penalty of death. I no longer deal with the penalty of sin because Jesus Christ washed me clean and I stand before you in this pew as a brother and sister in Christ exalting the name of the Lord saying I have taken His cup of salvation and it is good to my soul i am restored i am refreshed i have been delivered by the great listener who is the god i love verse one i love the lord is that how you come to his holy temple to his house do you come with a gratitude with a grateful heart for who he is and what he has done. You can't divorce the two. There's a, there's a great argument among scholars that you can exalt God for who he is and you can exalt God for what he has done. <laughs> I personally believe that you're splitting a hair because God is who he is and he is who he is because of what he does and what he does reflects who he is. My wife loves me and she demonstrates that. If she said she loved me and she hit me every time, well, don't tell anybody she does, uh, then it would not demonstrate that she loves me, right? God cannot be separated from his actions. His redemptive actions is a result of who he is. And so you have this grateful heart, this gratitude that you and I come here with, and it impacts our attitude. But when we walk down the hall and we say, hey, how's your week been? I'm fine. You're fine. We're all fine. Apparently, we are the finest people to walk the planet. Now, we may tell some of our closer friends things that have gone on during the weekend, and and that's fine. But we come and gather together our hearts and our worship should be, as the psalmist here, it should be real. It should be honest. It should be forthright and true. And it should demonstrate that we have 
We have dealt with a little bit of Sheol. We found ourselves in trouble and in sorrow this week. Verse 4, and what we did when we found ourselves in trouble and in sorrow is that we called upon the name of the Lord, just like we did when we came to know Him. Amen? Look, I got a 15-year-old daughter. Every night, I'm on my knees, call upon the name of the Lord, and I'm calling some boys some other names, okay? Can I just be, I'm on my knees before the Lord, and I'm saying, God, protect her and keep her. Let her walk in your ways all the days of her life. Hey, just FYI, you want to do that real early? Because you want to start it paying off at 15. You know what I'm saying? You want it paying off at 15. So pe- people are laughing because they know, it's like, I was on my knees when they were six months old, and it started paying off when they were 15 and 16. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. But I want you to listen to the last part because I think that we've heard the saying that we've heard the saying that attitude is everything. That gratitude affects attitude. We've heard that part. But we've missed a, a critical point that I think the psalmist is really trying to tell us, and he does it in a very intense way. And, and he says to us simply that it is not only gratitude and attitude that we as followers of Yahweh God must have that those two things greatly impact the magnitude by which we worship Him. And if we take that part out, the intensity by which we worship God, then it will drastically hurt our attitude and it will grossly affect the gratitude that we have for Him. Now, some of us may think that I just went charismatic, but that's not where I'm at. You can have intensity without loudness, without, without craziness. You can have intensity, okay? Just ask stock car drivers. Super intense sport. Go around a track 200 and some odd times. You can't tell anybody about it, only a little radio. It's super intense, Okay? So we understand that the idea of intensity is just this, this raw and real and honest just grinding of a man's soul. And you, you really do hear that in this psalm, I think. I love the Lord because, this is verse 1, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications because he has inclined his ear to me. And here comes the magnitudes coming. Therefore, I will, here it comes, call upon the name, call upon him as long as I live. Amen? As long as I live. That's intense. That's very intense. As long as I live with every breath, I will call upon his name. We should be so lucky to do that. Then you look at verse 4. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul! Exclamation point. Deliver my soul. Magnitude for what God has done. Verses 10 and 11, I believe, therefore, and realize that I am afflicted and all men are liars. Magnitude for who God is, our gratitude for who He is and what He has done impacts our attitude towards God and magnifies our worship and service of Him. Verse 12, this is how it impacts that. This is how that worship plays out in verse 12. What shall I render to the Lord for all His benefits towards me? Nothing. 
What can we repay the Lord for what he has done? But we act a lot of times when we, when we gather together that we could repay the Lord somehow for the salvation that he has given you and me. If we could repay God for allowing his son to die on the cross that there is something that you and I could do, say, be. And there's nothing. Because that's the kind of God that you and I love. Having gratitude for something that you can never repay is different from having gratitude for something that you can repay. Can we agree on that? Verse 14, he also has the response of worship that he will repay the vows to the Lord in the presence of his people. How good is the God that you love? How good is he? How great is he? Is he so great that when you stop in Super 1 that you can tell someone about him? And the good and great things he's done this week? Great. When I see you in Super 1, I'll be looking forward to hearing it, okay? Because that is worshiping God moment by moment in every day of the week. Don't just wait for Sunday to lift him up and exalt him and magnify his holy name and magnify what he has done. The magnitude by which we worship God should be exemplified every day of the week. For what he has done, for who he is, and for what he's going to do. Verse 16, O Lord, I am your servant, and we are his servants because we recognize what he has done. In rescuing us from the chains of sin and death in the grave, the only reason we echo 1 Corinthians 15, 55, and ask death where is your sting, is because God himself has freed us from the chains of sin. That is the only reason that we can say those things. We can increase our gratitude and amplify our attitude and max out our magnitude. These are for the practical people. By following Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Let's turn there real quick. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates so that everywhere you look you will be reminded of who God is and what he has done. We can develop an attitude of gratitude, but it must be exemplified in our worship. Gratitude impacts our attitude and drives the magnitude of our worship. Think of it like a song, notes, instruments, and voices combining to worship God. Each of these, gratitude, attitude, and magnitude, compound to develop our worship toward God. 
Grace does not have to abound more, as Dr. Reggie said this morning. Grace does not have to abound more. We just have to have a better understanding of the unbinding God's grace has done because we are not shackled to sin any longer. What is your attitude towards God? Does it reflect the gratitude you have in your heart for what he has done? And is it exemplified in the magnitude of your worship? Your gratitude can change tonight. I think a lot of us, in the summer, we find ourselves more reflective. I always do. I guess it's the plight of a college minister. Everybody goes away. You get a little bit more space to breathe. You stop drinking so much Red Bull. You get down to about eight cups of coffee a day from your usual 24. Don't tell my doctor. Oh, wait, he's here. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Um, And you start to become more grateful because you can think about the things that God has done. You can think about who he is. And your attitude begins to change. Because those things are more fresh in your mind, in your soul. And so this psalm speaks very closely to me. Because I do find rest in remembering those things. And that's where Deuteronomy is. He's telling us that we need to remember who God is and what he has done. And we need to write it down everywhere we can. We need to tell our children of who he is and what he has done. We need to tell our neighbors of who he is and what he has done and let that magnitude flow. So, tonight's application is go home, develop a tune. Develop develop a great one. I hope that your wife turns to you later on this week and says, you have such a tune. Maybe, Maybe your kids or your grandkids will look at you real weird and go, you just have the greatest tune. Maybe it is by our tood that we will know, that they will know in the world that we love. What does it say? The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Amen? So your homework, go home, develop a tood. Maybe not the tood of a 15-year-old, but the tood of Psalm 116. Gratitude for who he is and what he has done. An attitude that is a direct response of that. And magnified, a magnitude of worship that demonstrates to the world in the public square the God that you serve. The God that has done so much for you and I and is going to do immensely more than we ever thought possible. Develop a great tube. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for tonight. We ask that in the next few moments, Lord, we would be very serious about, Lord, our our tube. Lord, that if we haven't told you, thank you in a while for who you are and what you have done in our lives through circumstances, that we would do so. And Lord, if we haven't told you in a long time, thank you for who you are that we would do that now. Lord, and that our attitudes would change towards you. 
that we would develop one much like the psalmist here. An attitude of worship, of immense love. Lord, and that would be expressed in our worship of intensity, Lord. That we would call upon you as long as we live. That we would serve you. That we would call ourselves your bondservant, Lord. Because we are a slave to sin no more, but a slave to righteousness for forever. So, Lord, let us do business with you. Let us be honest and forthright with you tonight. Lord, let this be a summer and a service, Lord, that we would find great gratitude. We love you and we praise you, Lord. You don't need it, but you sure do deserve it. In Jesus' name.